0: Welcome to the ADHD Coterie Podcast, the podcast where we get down and dirty with all things ADHD. It's not always pretty, but it's always current relevant and up-to-date with information and strategies to help you to manage your or your child's ADHD. In a world where you can get information from just about anywhere, the ADHD Coterie is here to provide resources and education from an educated and licensed mental health clinician living with and raising a child with ADHD. I'm your host, Jamie Racine. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the ADHD Coterie. I'm so excited to be moving on to our next round of discussions. I'm so proud of myself about the fact that I committed to discussing all the different um, seven executive functions over the last seven weeks and I did it on time. I like that's such a huge accomplishment for somebody with ADHD. You don't understand it's like if you have adhd you totally get what i'm saying but if you don't have adhd to f- like follow through and complete a task that's a huge deal so yay <laughs> yay for adhd successes it's the small wins that keep us going right um so but i'm moving on on to sort of a different theme this month for the month of june we're going to be talking about um mental health treatment accessibility Um, it's one of the areas that i feel very very passionate about i feel like we live in a time where we have so much information we know so many things about so many things and we have ways of getting information places we have ways of getting people places and but we fail in in areas that to me is unacceptable like why do we have people that have to fight to get their basic mental health needs met and why is it such a stigma for people who struggle with mental health to be able to get those needs met why why do they feel so ashamed of themselves when they struggle with depression or anxiety or or symptoms of of another illness that they have <clears throat> that create um Mental health, mental health concerns because of the limitations that it puts on their life, right? I know that I'm only one person and that, you know, as one person, I'm not able to change the whole system, but I am able to do my part. And one of the things that I am setting out to do is to make my part in the ADHD world a little bit more accessible to people who have ADHD, right? So one in five people in this country struggle with a mental health condition and i think it's only about 10 percent of people who have a mental health diagnosis actually seek treatment and well there's lots and lots of reasons why but to name a few, some you'll you have obviously stigma that comes along with it, right? They're just going to tough it out, there's nothing wrong with them. There is a stigma to struggle, there's a stigma to not being able to handle something, there's a stigma to feeling overwhelmed and depressed, and those sorts of things. So you just buck it up and you get through it. You don't ask for help because society looks down upon that. Um, cost tends to be a big problem. Prohibitor for people, even if you have health insurance. Um, I know that this country is trying to make health insurance more affordable for people, um, but it's it's a constant fight. You know, people can't agree on which direction they want to take it. And I'm not trying to make this political by any stretch of the imagination, but it is still a factor in why mental health resources are inaccessible. Um, so regardless of whether you have insurance there's oftentimes an extremely high deductible and a copay that's really hard for many people to meet especially if they're raising a family or if they're raising children right so their own needs are going to go unmet the other thing too that i worry about is that people are facing a misdiagnosis and so they're treating the wrong things um And there's also a major shortage of mental health clinicians in our country, and there is no end in sight. I mean, they're projecting, they, and I, you know, I never, I never know who these infamous they are, but they, whoever it is that find these numbers, are projecting that that shortage is going to continue at least through 2025. So we're talking another, at least four years of a substantial shortage of, of people who know what they're talking about, helping the people that need it, right? And then the other piece of it is, is and this is awful to say, but mental health clinicians aren't actually paid what they're worth. I mean, we work really hard with really difficult clients and we are not reimbursed well for our time. And I know that sounds selfish and it's supposed to be a very altruistic profession. And I can tell you, I am not in this profession for the money and I love what I do every single day. But when it comes to dollar for dollar, mental health clinicians, when it comes to being reimbursed by insurance, we get slashed percentages far more than than medical professionals, okay? So what happens is insurance companies negotiate with the providers and they come to some sort of an agreement as to how much money they're going to be willing to pay that provider. And MDs and all these people come to an agreement and percentage-wise, the doctors get a higher percentage than than mental health clinicians. So when we're spending our time doing it, we're not getting as as mental health clinicians as a ratio what an MD is getting obviously we're not going to be getting paid as much as an MD. I'm talking in terms of percentage of how the insurance company determines our value, um, and so in that vein, what happens is um, the clinicians won't take take insurance, um, and and it's and it's not. So they end up being out of network, which then requires. Um, people to have to pay out of pocket and then get reimbursed at a different rate from their insurance company. Um, and, And it's not that we don't want to take insurance, but it's that the work that we do is pretty heavy, right? We deal with heavy stuff. And so to be good for our clients and to be good for our own families, we need to make sure that we're able to take care of ourselves. And part of that is being able to have a lower client load and still be able to meet our basic needs. So, I don't want to be exhausted in between clients. I I don't want to be I don't want to be packing my clients in like sardines and thinking, you know, how can we how can I see like 12 clients in one day because client 1, okay, I'll be great. Client 5, I'll be okay. But by the end of the day, that client is not going to get the best from me that client one through five got. And I I ethically, as a clinician, don't want to do that. I don't want to just have some, you know, money making. I, I I just don't. I, I just do not want to have that. So, So to be able to make ends meet for my family, obviously, I need to be able to have an income that's going to allow me to meet the needs of my client in a way that's, that's, that's ethical and healthy for them. Um, so it's such, it's such a catch 22 that we all need to deal with. But in terms of like how I see this going for, for my practice and what my hopes are for folks with ADHD, um, I see, that there are so many things that come along with ADHD, um, especially for folks who have gone undiagnosed for most of their lives, like I did. And the struggles that I've had, (laughs) oh my goodness gracious, I heard it said just the other day that um, getting diagnosed later in life with ADHD is like a plot twist in a novel. All of a sudden, everything that happened in the novel begins to make sense. And all of the little foreshadowing hints start to come to light and you're like, huh, I totally get it now. Um, That's totally my life. But for people who, who lived an entire life with ADHD and didn't get diagnosed well into their 30s or later, you know, chances are they've struggled with depression. They've struggled with anxiety. Uh, women in particular probably struggled with um, self-harm or substance abuse or different things like that. So, um, So they're getting treatment potentially for those kinds of things when their ADHD was really the driving force. So I'm on a mission to uncover those hidden ADHD diagnoses and to help educate the the population as much as I can about about ADHD um and and how it's totally workable you can totally I mean it's in the DSM-4 I mean five Whew, I just stated myself it's in the DSM-5 as a mental health diagnosis but it's not really a me- and, it, and, it, and it is serious I mean you definitely need to tend to it but it's not a it's not a it's not a condition that is um life-changing in a sense that uh, you can totally function and be completely successful with it. There's no reason that you can't begin to adjust your lifestyle to accommodate it. I mean, there's super successful people. In fact, it really can be a superpower. But if you're never, if you are never um, educated on the fact that that's what's been going on for you, you're going to live your life feeling like you are a complete failure. Like, why can't you just do this, the things that all of your age mates and peers have been successful at doing. So um, I'm, I'm moving toward um, creating an educational um, academy for people to have access to. Um, and it's, it's going to be a monthly subscription to this academy. Um, and, and sort of to give you a little bit of a framework, there's actually going to be live access to me um, a couple hours per month. On in this academy, um, so we're gonna have, and I'm going to be having guest guest speakers um, in this group. Um, I don't know how often yet; it's still in its infancy. But I'm going to be launching sort of like a pre-sale or a founder a founder sale um, here in the next probably three weeks, where people can kind of start. Jumping on board and getting into the academy early. But the goal is to provide ongoing, in depth education and resources for people with ADHD that, um, you know, so that we can reach people in the communities that that need it for a fee that is is not going to cause financial hardship. Um, I want people to have access to reputable, accurate resources that. Are helpful, and I want people to be able to have access to somebody that can answer their questions in a way that is clinically sound, in a, a way that is um, going to be be helpful and accurate. Um, I want people to have live access to a mental health clinician for these questions. Um, I want to be I want to be accessible, and I want to be available. Um, so. Those are my goals. And those are the main, those are, I think, the biggest parts of this academy. But on top of that, there's going to be, um, there's there's going to be, you know, activities and resources and just all kinds of different things added into this courses and different things that I'm going to be putting in here every month. Um, um, Master classes i'm going to break down all the different parts of ADHD all the different aspects of ADHD um, into small bite sized pieces over time that all my members will have complete unlimited access to Um, i'm also going to be giving access. Um, to me like in question form so everybody can be asking questions throughout the course of a week or two and my goal is to be able to go through those throughout the course of the weeks and be answering those directly to people Um, and then um, for our live coaching um, I'm going to be doing two live coaching sessions per month um, on it'll be on zoom I believe within our facebook group and my hope is that you know we'll do like a 15 or 20 minute lesson of some kind around adhd followed by uh, one or two live coaching sessions um, from people who want to hop on and um, have a conversation with me to learn some things so the beauty of that is that not only do you get the opportunity to apply to be on there But you could also learn from other people's experiences and be asking questions as well in the Zoom. So I think that it's shaping up to be a pretty, pretty great thing within its infancy. I have high hopes for this as it moves forward um, and grows. And I really see it turning into something much bigger over, over the next several months. But as these first few months start, that's sort of how I see the bones of this of this program. So this is sort of my this is sort of my contribution in my small way to make mental health care accessible, affordable, accurate, reputable and from a place of of education and experience so that people can get on here and have what they need, especially in terms of ADHD. I mean, ADHD can be awesome, and truly, I don't know where I would be without my ADHD, but man, if I could go back 20 years and have known that that's what I've been dealing with, I think I might be in a completely different headspace. So, I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And if you're raising a child with ADHD or you have ADHD or you suspect you have ADHD yourself, this is is where you want to be. And I really, truly hope and pray that you will find this resource to be somewhat helpful. So that's just sort of my little announcement and sort of the background why I want this to happen. So stay tuned. All the announcements and the details for how you can join will be forthcoming in the next few weeks. Alrighty, guys, I hope you have a wonderful start to your June and I look forward to seeing you on the web. Bye! Well, that's it for this week's episode of the ADHD Coterie. Be sure to check out my website at www.embracetheextra.com or even better, send me an email to say hey at jamie at Don't forget to follow me on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Jamie Racine. And until next time, may your ADHD strategies be powerful, but your ADHD be your superpower.